Hi everybody, this is your host Lando, and if you're looking for a quick 15-minute daily update with the latest headlines and context surrounding the coronavirus crisis, then check out the Coronavirus Daily Briefing from Ride Home Media, the daily podcast people. All the COVID-19 news that happened today and everything you can do to protect yourself tomorrow. Search your podcast app right now and subscribe to Coronavirus Daily Briefing. That's Coronavirus Daily Briefing. Now, let's hear from the doc. Hello, this is Dr. Paul Cottrell, and I'm going to be talking about what's been going on in New York. And this is Sunday. So this is a picture of of a street morgue, okay, in Lower Manhattan, not just Bellevue, okay, but in Lower Manhattan, I think it's Presbyterian Hospital, and there's the tent, and you can see the the trailer truck, which is the refrigeration. So this is on the this is in the back of the hospital, not in the front, but in the back. Okay. There's a good shot of the refrigerator truck. It's down uh, Spruce Street. I'm right off of Water, and and uh, Hanover Street, so right right by right next to to Wall Street on the east side. And here is the front of the building of Presbyterian. So in Lower Manhattan, we now have morgues. Okay, let's get this straight. For those people that don't think this is real, this is getting like really real, all right? And this is only a few blocks away and blocks in New York are very small, all right? I have in my backyard a morgue, all right? Let that sink in. Now, you got this clown called Christopher Green. And Christopher Green bugged out, all right? And I don't know if he's at a hotel or a timeshare. It sure is hell in his house. But he has palm trees and he lives in Arizona. All right? It looks like it, because he's been filming for a while, he has access to a large body of water. All right? So it leads me to believe that he's on an island. All right? And you love those, those palm trees in the background. You see any palm trees around me? Any, anywhere. And once in a while, when you listen to his videos, you hear birds chirping. I don't hear birds chirping. You know what I hear? Drones flying. Okay? All right? So you got morgues, you got drones. You got quarantine. You got people dying, like, by the hundreds. And this little fucking cocksucker who should be shut, you know, sh- shaving that damn mustache? He's telling you the real deal. He's telling you how it really is happening. He's telling you to invest in Bitcoin. 
and gold and silver. He's telling you how it's really going down, all right? And that, that people are losing their freedoms, which they are, and that, you know, there is, uh, you know, this, this movement towards a one world government, which I think there is, all right? But what did he do? He hid. He ran away. He's a fair weather fan. Same thing in New York. When the crisis happened, he ran away because he was working for Merrill Lynch during, you know, during the, the you know, the, the, uh, the uh, Lehman crash. This is what I, what, this is what I'm talking about with people. They're either self-centered, too much of a pussy to be on the front line, and then they're, they're, they're going to tell you how it is with palm trees in the background. I've self-quarantined for two weeks, and then on top of that, we've had this shelter in place for two weeks. You know how long that is? That's four weeks for the ones that can't count. And then we're going to be in additional lockdown. This is wearing. This is very taxing. That's why when I say this, you got to listen. For us to smash the curve, as Steve Bannon states on his show, I agree with. Everyone in this country needs to be locked down for 40 days. Because if you don't, it will keep on spreading. It's really simple. And as it keeps on spreading, it will cause more economic damage. So these stupid asses that are moving around in the country, you're spreading the disease. Or you're adding to the probability of spreading the disease. Okay? So the people that have been listening to me, they know that I'm from Michigan. All right? I'm from the Detroit area as an automotive engineer and moved to New York. And the epicenter is New York. The hot spot, the hot zone is right where I am at. Not metaphorically, literally. Not with Mr. Palm Tree. And now it has spread to where my mother lives. In the, in the suburbs around the Detroit area. That is the next hot zone. And everyone that's been listening knows that my mother has severe COPD. Her probability of dying is 95% if she contracts this. So you tell me if you think this is real or not. Because if I find, you know, if someone tells me in person they didn't think this was real and my mother dies from this, I'm going to fucking kill you. But Mr. Palm Tree, telling you how it is. I don't trust people that run away. I don't trust people that are behind the lines, telling you what, what the battle is like up front. He has some good things to say. 
but his actions speak louder than words. And his actions are someone that runs, someone that's enjoying the scenery, hearing the birds chirp, enjoying the palm trees. I would love to debate this guy. And, you know, he says that he went to a really good school. I think it was George Washington University or something like that. Yeah. Okay. All right, tough guy. All right, tough guy. And he worked for Merrill Lynch. Didn't do too well, but he worked for Merrill Lynch. As a broker. All right, Mr. Blockchain. Getting really fed up with you. All right, so that's the status of what's going on in lower Manhattan. We're in my backyard. If you, you know, <laughs> I got a morgue right, right behind Presbyterian Hospital. Let that sink in. All right, let that sink in. Because in, if you're in a high density area, this is coming to you. Well, thank you for you know coming onto the channel. Um, what we're gonna do today is uh, talk about your perspective, especially on the neuroscience side, because that's mm -hmm. your specialty. Um, what you think is going on with COVID-19, uh, maybe, um, uh, 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 explain some of the uh, clinical presentations. What you you know what might yep. be happening? You think? Um, mm -hmm. I'd like to focus a little bit on the uh, vagus nerve, mm -hmm. um, and uh, also uh, maybe some gliosis that that mm -hmm. that is starting to uh, present in some patients. It's mm -hmm. it's not a common thing, but uh, it seems to be presenting. So if you could just introduce yourself to the ones that are watching. Um, and then we'll go into the details of uh, the neuroscience of COVID-19. Yeah, sure. So my name's uh, Dr. Kevin McCann. I'm, I'm a researcher, uh, like you say, in the neurosciences and have been for 20 years. And uh, my speciality is an area called the corticobasal ganglia um, uh, cerebellar networks. And um, I, I basically switched between studying Parkinsonism or Tourette's. Do, do you know what Tourette's is, I presume? Mm -hmm. uh, so Tourette's is marked by um, involuntary behaviors and there's an element of Tourette's because of the networks that are involved in the disorder which bring about sort of false control. And one of uh, classic symptoms associated with the disorder is sort of spitting uh, or swearing or being inappropriate and having trigger, uh, lowered thresholds towards sort of you know, antisocial behaviors, right? And that's, that's how Tourette's is sort of famous because people always sort of joke on the inappropriate swearing, a symptom called coprolalia. But anyway, as I was sort of watching the pandemic begin to unfurl in China, uh, there, were, there were two things that struck me. So the first was from a sort of technical view, 
career has had to have me working around sort of BSL2 and free laboratories. And so I'm familiar with their practices and what happens. And as we started to China, it became very obvious to me the internationally recognized standards with respect to uh, how a pandemic would occur and if there's a suspicion that it came from somewhere like the Wuhan facility that there should have been we, we should have been seeing steps much earlier than we did uh, everything and what what we can only speculate but I guess a lot came from just probably the Chinese trying to just be quiet about what was happening and trying to keep it on the down low uh, to uh, not arouse suspicion and I think in doing that that just allowed the pathogen to sort of get a hold in a way that well you can see the consequences one or something like the blue type paper and we're seeing essentially the world burn but I was watching that and then at the same time as as we're watching the the Chinese response sort of try coming out of uh, Wuhan was there were suddenly either people basically just face planting into the ground they're sort of standing one minute and the next they just collapsed and there's no there doesn't seem to be a sort of indicator beforehand that something was going on and the other was you could see people going around spitting and contaminating everything so there's, there's a bunch of videos that you want to you, you can find online and I can send you a presentation afterwards if you want to sort of pick examples out and you would see people spitting and contaminating buttons deliberately did you see any of those videos uh, no, I didn't see the, the, the buttons, but I have seen cases where people were spitting on food. Hello? I lost your connection. I lost your connection just a, I lost your connection. Can you hear? I lost your connection just a little bit, so if you can just repeat the sentence that you just said. Uh, yeah, so once I started seeing the the first spitting and then as the behaviours, it, it became more and more common in the uh, video that was leaking out from China. I, mm -hmm. I sort of look at it and, we, and it struck me as a behaviour that we reproduce in the lab and we see in the clinic, okay? And at first, I just thought that was a sort of curiosity, and then I started. I, I started to just sort of dig into um, the uh, the pathogen itself, and it's a very little known fact, but done by virologists to be what's called a neurotropic and uh, neurotropic pathogens. Uh, the mo most common one that people will have heard of is rabies. And we use rabies in the neurosciences as a tool for um, mapping out neural networks. Mm. So you inject, uh, you, you find an area of the brain that you're interested in, you put in a small inoculum of uh, rabies, and then that rabies has a very fixed uh, 
time distribution of how far it will propagate in the network and how many synapses it will jump. Basically, it's about one week per um, axon to the next neuron and within spreads in the brain and the network, the, the functional network that you're interested in. And um, as I as I sort of realized that and I was looking into the, uh, these things um, and the scientific work from the virologists were saying that the, uh, the nasal cavity is a particularly uh, weak point with respect to these SARS-like agents, as well as the obvious uh, respiratory um, send, uh, uh, respiratory centers in the medulla, a uh, place called Botzinger complex, which uh, is responsible for uh, the rhythmicity of your breathing. Okay, so and so I have a quick I have a quick I have a quick question on this for for this this um, kind of like this involuntary uh, response of spitting. Mm -hmm. Those nerves is that the um, the seventh and the fifth nerve, or wh which nerves do you think are being involved in doing that 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 action of spitting? Uh, I've I've lost you for a bit. You were okay. So so asking? I was saying I was asking which nerves do you think are involved in the spitting? Of okay. uh, you know when these when these patients are starting to spit, mm -hmm. what which nerves do you think are involved in the in these? My, my is it the fifth and the seventh or what? what which ones? Which ones are they? So uh, so the seventh is important for the uh, coming the innovation to the lungs. Uh, and from the dorsal respiratory group that, uh, that are responsible for breathing. But for the spitting, it's the networks that, uh, so it attaches to the, vom uh, the vomeronasal system. So, and there's the olfactory bulb. So you have the form play. Uh, and the olfactory bulb sends projection into the it's one synapse depending on which network you, it wants to propagate through but you're straight into the nucleus accumbens which is like this heart of the the network called the basal ganglia and it's here that i've spent all these years of research manipulating this specific area and like i say we get um, behaviors like that in the test animals that we that we investigate and we're in, we're trying to model Tourette's as a disorder and it's it's and Tourette's is just lowered I impulse control that for the, the patient themselves is completely involuntary they might have what's called a premonitory urge to um, to do a tick so you can think of them as kind of ticks and um, and it's like they just don't have any any control whatsoever and they almost know that they're doing it but they have to do it as a form of sort of psychic uh, as it were and the 
but like I say, there was just a striking resemblance to me of um, what was a, a a very a very peculiar behaviour, and like I say, it, it not only started in Japan. I then just started to see it uh, occurring everywhere as the <clears throat> as the I, I don't want to say everyone was sort of positively infected, but um, there just started to be a slew of videos that people were sort of pointing me towards where people were starting to spit, especially in airplane environments. Hmm. But also also um, the uh, the general. So, so if 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 we if we assume if we assume in the, the, the can you can you hear me? Environment the, the, the connection is a little breaking up a little bit. So can you hear me? Yeah, I've lost. Can you hear me now? Okay. It might actually be better if you go to just the icon and not the video in in Skype. We might actually be a little bit better in the Yeah, let's try that and see. All right, can you hear me? Yeah, I can hear you. Okay. Okay, so let's try that and see. Hopefully the connection will be less taxing. Mm. All right. Uh all right. So, all right, my question here is All right. You've seen videos that are similar to what you have seen in the lab when you when you induce Tourette's like behavior yeah in in animals okay yeah. so now the question is this if knowing that it's a coronavirus knowing mm -hmm. you know it's it, using the spike protein what what do you think is the mechanism to actually get into the central nervous system how is it getting there? How, how if if it is the if it is the coronavirus, is mm -hmm. it? Do you think that the coronavirus is getting into the central nervous system? Yes. Or yeah. okay, and and what what do you think is the mechanism? How how does that happen? So um, we we're sort of getting a picture of the um, ACE two receptor as being a primary target, and as a as a target for a pathogen, it's a good one because it's literally distributed everywhere through the brain uh, from the genitourinary uh, tracts to everything to do with digestion, respiration, mm -hmm. and these, these receptors are also in the brain as well. And uh, we, know, we know from the scientific studies done on transfection in rodents that they can just put it into the nasal cavity and it's able to jump into the brain from there. So I'm presuming there has to be some some receptor um, some protein that it's able to glob onto uh, in the um, in the olfactory system plus the respiratory system well so let me let me let, let me let me interject a little bit so I'm doing some research at, at Harvard dealing with um, HIV dash one in the tat protein and how that is how that is um, decreasing pro-inflammatory cytokines and, and increasing anti-inflammatory mm -hmm. cytokines to per, 
to prevent the progression of MS. So mm -hmm. what we've found is, is that MS patients, multiple sclerosis for the ones that don't know what MS is, multiple sclerosis is a central nervous system disease whereby the, um, the antibodies, um, or let's just say the immune system, is starting to attack the myelin uh, sheath of axons. When that happens, mm -hmm. the, the neurons start to break down and you start to have the symptoms of MS. So mm -hmm. they found that individuals that had MS that uh, end up uh, contracting HIV-1, their disease doesn't progress as much as ones that don't have HIV. And they were trying right. to figure out why. So there was a research study that was re that in, in 2019 where they isolated the TAT protein Mm -hmm. uh, B and C, and they found out that it, it does uh, modulate the immune system. Mm -hmm. So I'm wondering, because we know that there's HIV homology in mm -hmm. this. Now, how the TAT protein works from HIV is, is that it's actually coded from the genome of, of the HIV mm -hmm. virus. Mm -hmm. But I'm wondering if if something is happening with the coronavirus genome that is actually creating a protein that is a neurotoxin? Uh, so I don't, I, right now, my guess would be that it's a more common variety of um, once transfected into the neuron and axon. So it has a has a capacity to retch so it basically it's latching on to the actin and myosin filaments that make up the um the nervous projection and so let's follow let's follow the the uh, the anatomy of what where we would expect to see uh, the agent itself so if you breathe it into your nose for example it's going to go there it's going to it's going to transfect the olfactory bulb and from the olfactory bulb it, it's going to jump back and go into the heart of the basal ganglia, the nucleus accumbens. Mm. Mm. And uh, it's a mechanism very similar to rabies. Um, and there are, there are not many viruses that are considered neurotropic agents. And what neurotropic means is that it just has the capacity to penetrate the blood-brain barrier, transfect a neuron, and, well... Uh, depending on which agent you want to look at, it will um, it, it will depend on the number of synapses. And I, I'll f just for the record, people were asking me, um, are there is the flu uh, influenza a neurotropic um, uh, virus? And initially, I said no, it's not. And um, as I as I sort of was looking again at information with respect to opportunistic pathogens for the uh, central nervous system, uh, the H1N1 strain of influenza also has the capacity to penetrate into the nervous system. They're found uh, in rodents, but these are very hard studies to do in humans. Okay, because it's um, uh, it's difficult to sort of have someone. Well, for want of a better word, they have to die in a hospital environment, and right, they right, have to. Right, right, right. right. Um, but and the and the thing with 
with the Wuhan or whatever you want to call it, China flu, um, there there has been some autopsies done, but not very many considering the number of deaths that there have been. Right. Um, but the the uh, let me just see. I've got the papers in front of me. Uh, the it, it's still on a uh, preprint server, and uh, let me just look for that. Oh, so uh, as well as being able to transfect the nervous system, another major target because it, it, if it goes into the lungs, is it's able to transfect the myocardium as well of cells. So there are reports coming out that uh, not only is it sort of causing pneumonia, it's jumping into the heart, it's causing myocarditis, pericarditis, and disrupting the, uh, the, uh, the ability of the heart to maintain a sort of self-paced rhythm. Uh, and um, the, uh, the, all these mechanisms of uh, penetrating into the body other than the new uh, other than the respiratory system just doesn't come onto people's radar at the moment and that's that's a serious problem and I think that uh, so if you think clinically often when a patient gets intubated the it's usually not that long I mean a week would be considered a long time to be intubated in a, a ICU ward okay and what's happening now is people are having to be in there for like two, three months as the, to try to sort of keep them alive. And what my conjecture is, is that because the, the virus has this ability to get into the nervous system and, and attack either the brainstem, so the, the patient is unable to sort of initiate um, uh, self-driven breathing, um, it, it puts them in a very, very difficult uh, situation and the um, so there were reports from Wuhan itself so I've got a lot of videos up on my channel where uh, in one paper the med a medical student who got infected um, she she claims that she had to consciously stay awake in the ICU unit so they obviously didn't intubate her but she said she had to consciously keep breathing and so this, to me, is a uh, indicator that the, uh, the the pathogen has made that jump. And the problem right now is, is as it's hitting uh, large uh, population centers, I understand that you're in New York, right? Mm -hmm. Yes. Um, there's a uh, there's a, a possibility of them having to deal with a very large influx of patients and the US is going to be um, well they're going to they're going to sort of try and ramp up the care as much as possible and this is why you've seen them asking for thousands of more uh, respirators right and they um, they basically found a whole bunch in a warehouse um, but they're thinking they need respirators in the tens of thousands to deal with this case and it's like I say, it's it's it, it's very difficult to check in a patient, um, but the uh, the issue would seem to be that there's some attack ongoing, 
and they can't breathe and then you can't get them off the ICU uh, treatments easily and then that starts stacking up and then you then you're going to just get more and more people who can't get into the care that they need this is what's happening in Italy and uh, I've got a very sort of um, sad looking uh, a video from uh, the, uh, it's one of their best hospitals basically for dealing with pneumonia and the nurse or doctor it doesn't say who she is but she's literally in tears because um, she's she's surprised that their techniques which are usually very successful for dealing with these patients aren't working with the covid uh, patients as they're as they're drawn into the um, ICU environment and like I say a lot of that will come from the uh, well, in, in my opinion it's coming from the uh, the attack on the central nervous system and this if people if, if the doctors are not aware of it and many of them aren't so you'd be surprised Paul at how many hours I've had to spend on sort of chat rooms and discussions trying to get this message across um, to people, to doctors themselves, who are convinced that it's just a viral pneumonia. Okay. Right. Well, I mean, I've had some doctors, at first they just, you know, thought it was just going to be very minor. And then once they started mm -hmm. realizing that it's not minor, mm -hmm. uh, and, and they're starting to see cases around the world that have this gliosis, mm -hmm. um, and they have um, severe headaches, Mm -hmm. These, you know, the spitting episodes that you're talking mm -hmm. about, mm -hmm. convulsions, um, dropping suddenly, mm -hmm. um, blood pressure issues. And I think the blood pressure issue could be multiple factors. You know, I was originally thinking it was the renin angiotensin aldosterone pathway and not being able to maintain blood pressure. Mm. But it could be neuro also. Mm. Um, oh, it, it, it could definitely be uh, the uh, a, a consequence of the heart being under um, uh, under pressure. Attack. Yeah. Yeah, 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 attack. Under attack. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, so let let let's just reiterate what, the pathway. So the, it comes in, mm -hmm. okay, and it's going three going through um, the olfactory. Um, path mm -hmm. and it's and it's moving down nerve uh what's that nerve two uh so the that's the olfactory, the olfactory is, nerve yeah, yeah let, is, just, is, is nerve, nerve two yeah it's nerve be, one be, i believe be nerve one, one is the eye i think nerve nerve one's the eye yeah and uh, uh it's, it's probably, the retina yeah, i think it's the, i'd have to look at a chart but but okay, so it's going down, and it's the old the, the it's your uh, smelling nerve, really. Mm -hmm. Okay, and 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 that that tracks into what, I, and I'm going from memory here. That goes that kind of tracks into the um, the base of the a base of the brain, um, and I believe it's the near the the frontal it would be the 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 uh, frontal cortex inferior frontal cortex and part of the temporal if i remember right yeah and so the basal ganglia as well okay so you so it's 
that virus is moving along, you're thinking that that virus is moving along the, and infecting that nerve? Or do you think that it just stays in the, the, the olfactory bulb area and it's just um, infecting that tissue? Do you think that this, this how, how, is, how is this spreading across to get to the basal ganglia? Okay, so what I'm going to do is I'm going to try and drop a paper into your Skype chat. Uh, hope, do you see that? Mm. Not really good at Skype in terms of sharing stuff. So normally where you type stuff. I'm on my iPad. So if you go to the, there'll be like a little speech bubble in the right hand corner. Uh, so if you were going to, if you were going to, type a message you should see in there oh you know what i could just email it to you right that's probably uh, the easiest thing to do so i think if we okay, sort of... i see your chat i see your chat and... okay, so if i hit the chat button here okay i see our chat conversation so if you put it in there yeah it should be on its way okay now I hit that download, accept. Okay, and now if I open it. All right, can you see what I have on the screen? Uh, I just see your uh, face, but I have the paper. I have the paper in front of me. Oh, and here. I don't know if I can share this. Can you see it when I share it? No, no, this is. Like, I don't know how to share it on Skype, but okay, so uh, I'm reading the paper. I'm seeing the paper right now. Uh, okay, so let me just uh, get to the figures. So you want to go to page eight of the manuscript. Okay. okay, I see it. Okay, I get it. Okay, all right, I see. Okay, so it's going into olfactory nervous system, and then, okay, and then it... Now, okay, so is this something that needs a lot of viral load to happen? Uh, that's not something I can really speak to. I mean, presumably, the more you get, the worse the consequences are going to be. Um, but I, I guess if we looked at the uh, method, because you know, for, for you know, because the stuff that that floats around easily for the brain mm -hmm. is obviously the blood, the blood flow, mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. the cerebral fluid. Mm -hmm. So this is not, this is not, see, that's why I thought it was tied to the cerebral fluid that go into the mm -hmm. spine and then it'd be more like meningitis, but mm -hmm. that's not the case here. This is more that it's going and, and, and infecting the actual nerves. Yeah. Now, the neural well, network. if it's it, right. The neural networks now for it to creep, I would think that it would have to infect the nerve and then produce more virus exocytose and then keep on creeping up and yeah. so by the time it gets to the endpoint that's showing in this diagram you're talking about quite a bit of time uh yeah so what what do we know as a metric for this type of infection is rabies right so it's a very well known time frame for sort of jumping from one synapse to another and how, how, how long that is that time frame so if we're doing it in primates, uh, three weeks is what we would use mm. to... Um... That totally makes sense. That makes sense. Okay, that makes sense. Okay, so that... Because what's interesting 
it seems as though the neurological problems start about mm-hmm. two weeks after when they think the infection is happening. Yeah. At least and the case that I, I would, saw with the gliosis. Okay. So the I, I'd be interested to see that if you have that paper. Um, the, the paper of the gliosis? Yeah. If it's... If no, it's, no, no. It's, this was, no, 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 no. This was a patient that was in Florida. Okay. Um, but any, if you have anything that sort of looks like a, a presentable slide, I'd like to have a look at that just to sort of get an idea of... Uh, the spread and yeah, see what's what's happening on my on my channel is I'm having doctors or patients or the or the parents of the patients calling me in and telling me what they're seeing mm-hmm. what's being you know in almost real time mm-hmm. so this is like you know what's being presented at the clinical level so but okay so so based I, on your knowledge I, I would, of rabies. Mm-hmm. This thing can jump from one one neuron to another neuron all the way to the basal ganglia so, so you, in about three two to three weeks. So you can say about a week. Yeah. And yeah, two to three weeks and asymptomatic carriers. And it might be the case that they are they're transfected neurally, okay? Um, they don't really notice any sort of uh, flu-like or respiratory um, disorders itself. It's just gone into the nervous system. And these might be be the people that are engaging. People go to my channel. I'm literally just uh, these events, and there's been a huge amount. And you can sort of look at Google trends for Google uh, spitting, coughing, and these things mm-hmm. are uh, ramping up from from December. And uh, like I say, I think what's happening is you're getting a patient cohort that may be feeling not that bad, but they're 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 being nudged by the virus in a way to modify their behavior. So one, they become more of a risk taker. And as a risk taker, they're gonna get into situations and environment. Mm-hmm that allow them to sort of uh, spread the virus to other people. And uh, so when, when it goes that... in, when it, when it, when they go into that, uh, um, when they go into um, more of a risk taking mode is, does mm. that mean that it's affecting the amyg- amygdala? Yeah. So the amygdala, the hippocampus and mm. um, the striatum, globus pallidus, thalamus, they all form part of this, uh, uh, deep basal ganglia network and uh, it, traditionally people who work on the basal ganglia consider the amygdala and hippocampus slightly as um, secondary networks to the, the the core of the basal ganglia but what we've shown in the monkeys and I could probably get that uh, to you and I mean, I don't know how long you have to talk, but we—I could go deep into the. Um, yeah, the we can go deep. Side. I mean, yeah, we—I mean, we've only been, you know, talking for thirty-four minutes. So, I mean, if you want to keep on talking, I, a lot of people are interested in how this virus spreads in the body, and we're mm-hmm. getting a better understanding how it spreads in the in the lung. Um, mm-hmm. But we have we have very little knowledge mm-hmm. of how how it spreads 
you know, from the central nervous system. And I have, I've been stating for six weeks that I've, you know, that there are rare cases that seem to be tied to the nervous system. So what is going on and how is it working now? Now it makes sense though, that it's coming through, you know, through the olfactory. Yeah. So uh, anywhere where there's going to be a preponderance of these ACE receptors, ACE2 receptors, and literally they're, they're all over the brain. So I just sent you another paper and this is a uh, autopsy study done on uh, it's preprint, so it's hard to sort of uh, a two. It's basically two hundred and fourteen patient studies. Eighteen were severe, and uh, 88%, 41% percent were severe. One hundred and twenty-six were non-severe patients. Compared with non-severe patients, severe patients were older and had more underlying disorders, especially hypertension, and so and showed less typical symptoms such as fever. So that's what I'm talking about, where they they would be asymptomatic and they haven't gone in with the fever and uh, the classic symptoms that uh, institutes like the CDC is using. Now, mm-hmm. uh, it's interesting. My... It's interesting as the as the the central the the, the um the spinal fluid, the cerebral spinal fluid is, is starting to circulate. Okay. Mm-hmm. It circulates, right. And yeah. it kind of floods back into the venous system mm-hmm. as it's going through the venous system, it starts to spread. So mm-hmm. you can be more asymptomatic through neural infection mm-hmm. yeah, and that's... then get a late onset of pneumonia compared mm-hmm. to, you know, the more classical case where you get the pneumonia right away. Yeah, absolutely. And this is this is my concern and why I've been trying to trying to get the the message to you. I know we've tried a few times in the past to just sort of sync up and um but well, now I, mean, I, think I get I get more... nine, I get like I get I get 900 emails a day. <laughs> okay. I mean, I I'd uh, say it's very, you know, and um, um People, you know, sometimes think that I don't pay well, attention or I don't well, care. I do care. Well, it's just that I just I can't absorb everything. Say, hmm? right, and you know, so a lot of what I've I've been trying to do is I've just tried to make myself as publicly accessible as possible. So I'm putting my email, my uh, Discord links, Skype links for anyone that wants to chat, and literally. Uh, People are getting frightened by what's happening and how much uh, elements are sort of spinning out of control with respect to the organizations which were there to protect us. And I tell you what um, what made me. I had never done this sort of YouTube streaming thing before. And at the time I was thinking, well, I could write a paper on the observations that I was seeing, but it would be a very low impact scientific paper that no no one would see and hardly anyone would take notice because there wasn't hard data with respect to the neurological effects of the disorder we would just be trying to infer something from uh the uh, uh the information that you're getting on youtube so it's not controlled so i sort of took the decision at the point when as, as soon as the world health organization uh changed the definition of a pandemic as the pandemic was starting literally delaying the uh, the onset of the mechanisms that are 
there to to begin to um, protect the public. Um, mm. I, I I felt that I had to go online and at least in a professional sense say, hey, hang on a minute, uh, because obviously other people are watching it and and they must be seeing it for the sort of clown world theatre of absurd nonsense that it has become. And the final straw for me was the uh, Jerome uh, Adams, your Surgeon General, basically standing up in front of the uh, the US public and essentially the world, because the world looks to America as to what to do. And he literally lied, bold faced lie, in front of the press and the, the world, in my opinion, and basically said to the said, you don't need masks. OK, um, keep your keep your hands clean and just do usual practices where already the people who had been studying the covid uh, pathogen were saying very, very early on that masks would be critical in uh, limiting the viral load. And the really disgusting thing with the uh, Surgeon General at that time was as he was telling the American public you're uh, you're essentially too stupid to uh, be able to use masks, okay? Um, so don't bother. The CDC and the military and go governmental agencies started then requisitioning every bit of PPE that they could get. So if you looked into their strategic stores, basically they had enough clothing for three days worth of um, uh, you know, protection when dealing with these patients. And mm -hmm. the problem was all, all of our or all, all of the uh, medical supplies generally came from China. Pharmaceuticals come from China. Uh, a lot of the, you know, stuff that we take for granted, like masks, uh, Tyvek suits, all those kind of things, they all come from China. And obviously because of the breakdown there, there's been a breakdown in the um, just in time supply chains and now you're seeing the knock-on effects of that so like i say the uh the gall of these people to to stand up lie to the public and you know we can we can look at those presentations if you want um the uh, it just like i say it just caused me to say okay i've got to do something in a in a professional well, uh, well professional after at, since you explained the mechanism for entry of this virus through the olfactory that is strong evidence that we should have masks oh yeah um you know uh, you know, it, but it's here, here was the, th because there was a big debate six weeks ago about this. Okay. Mm -hmm. And the thought process was this. All right. And I, I fell in this camp of thinking this way. Um, the thought process was, well, if you're sick, you should have the mask because if you cough, then you're spreading the disease. Mm -hmm. mm. Um, and that first responders needed the mask more than non-first responders, you know, the, mm -hmm. the nurses and the doctors thinking that they would run out. Okay, so that was mm -hmm. part of the thinking. And that these masks, if they're not worn properly, um, you, you know, and you're not sick, mm -hmm. you probably would still get it. Mm -hmm. um, but even if you did wear a proper 
wearing masks, these N95s, or you know, some people don't even put the N95 on right. But let's mm. just say that everything was done right and they had the N95 mask. You could still get it through your eye. Uh, uh, so, so the question, you know, so we, so the thought was, if you're in a in an area where you there is a higher chance of getting the disease, you shouldn't go outside. So the thought would, was, don't wear the mask, just stay indoors. Yes, that uh, was the, that would you know, that would be my that, that would be that my was advice. The, kind of the right as well because what because the mask provides a false security you know going outdoors uh, with the mask but you know but the people that are sick and they have to go see the doctor mm -hmm. they have to have a mask on so that's yeah that I, was the stance that i had six weeks ago mm -hmm. now after you explain this this entry um i would say now that where we're at, we're across America, across the world, you know, there's many, many, in, in, you know, uh, many people infected in, in all over the world. Mm -hmm. So the chances of going out and getting it now is a lot higher than it was six weeks ago. Yes. In, yeah. in North and South America, you know, or in North, in North America, you know, the Western, you know, the, the Western hemisphere. Mm -hmm. So, um, so the calculus of deciding if uh, uh, an N95 mask needs to be worn or not is different than it was six, mm -hmm. six weeks ago. Mm -hmm. So I'm, I'm changing my tune now and saying that people should start wearing masks because now that there's two pathways that this, well, there's really three pathways that this, um, maybe four, four pathways that this, this virus can, mm. can enter your body. It, you can breathe it mm -hmm. in and it gets into your lungs. You can breathe it in and mm -hmm. it gets, you know, through your, your uh, olfactory system. Mm -hmm. You can get punctured and, and it's through blood. Mm -hmm. that, yeah. they would, it's a little bit more rare, but it's possible. Mm -hmm. Or you could ingest it. Mm -hmm. So, you know, so with this in mind, um, and you're outside in, you know, out in public, mm -hmm. uh, I think everybody should be wearing masks now. With yes. this new, with this new knowledge and the state that we're in, in the pandemic, yes. but six weeks ago, you know, I, having the first responders having the masks because we were starting to run out. Mm -hmm. I mean, people were just buying it in mass, mm -hmm. and the first yeah. responders weren't getting it. So the thought at that time, where we didn't even have twenty cases in the United States, was it's better mm. to have the first responders than to have a bunch of people have an N95 mask walking around the United States where, mm. where you know, you're just going to be throwing them away after the day use. And mm. the chance of you contracting it is rare. It's, you know, it's, it's low, not rare, but I mean, it's low. But now yeah, uh, you go outside, you have a much higher chance of getting it. So the, the epidemiological yeah. dynamics are way different now in the United States or in the yes. UK or in Japan than it was six weeks ago. So, all right, so go ahead. Yeah, uh, so the, uh, I've advocated right from the beginning that masks should be a critical part of your um, strategic posture for how you have to live your life in an, in an environment where there's a high risk of infectivity. And somewhere like New York, where you know literally people i don't know what manhattan is. is is it like five million just the island itself i think it's more than that right 
Ten. Uh, well, there's eight point six million in the five boroughs. So that's okay. Brooklyn, Queens, Manhattan. Uh, Manhattan alone is a million something, maybe something okay. like that, million and a half, maybe something like that. Okay, but so let's let's say what's what. Uh, again, I have a limited understanding. I've been to New York um, a couple of times. But New York <laughs> but, City, New York City has eight point six million people. Okay. Um, a lot of those people are all just stacked up on each other and mm -hmm. you you have to share sort of common uh, pathways with them with respect to elevators and mm -hmm. all these all these types of um, surfaces that could potentially be um, uh, reservoir for the pathogen. And so my my advice to people that have been listening to my podcast and uh, I mean, you've done great. I was watching you right from the beginning and you've, and you've really managed to sort of pick up an audience. Uh, but mine's, mine's been a struggle. But everyone that I do get, um, I'm insisting to them that they have to have a mask and gloves, uh, especially as the infection is in this dynamic uh, surging state as we as we jump up the uh, the epidemiological profile. And um, I would and so what I was doing my wife was making them so you could make a mask from anything right you don't need an n95 or n100 and this is this is um you're not going and you and you you shouldn't be interacting with these people in a way that's that should put you at risk right so right now joe public should be thinking i need to limit contact and spread because you don't want to become a spreader yourself okay and uh, what you said is probably the best idea right now with respect to New York, which is stay inside as much as you can. OK, if you need to go out, you, even if you've got like the gloves for washing up, um, any gloves will do. And a mask you can make from T-shirt and bits of cloth, which is what my wife is doing. And that they, they're just as good as a regular sort of um, surgical mask. And primarily what it does, it also stops you just touching your face directly when you're out in public. OK, mm -hmm. and that's been my advice. And this and this is where I think that the I would. I think all the people that have given the official advice when this is over and stabilized, we need to go back and we need to hold every one of them accountable. So people like uh, your Surgeon General, the head of the World Health Organization, all these people need to be uh, called out uh, by professionals and just say you were negligent uh, in your dealing with this situation. And as a consequence, we're now, we now find ourselves uh, dealing with, um, I, I, I don't know what to call it because it's unprecedented in my lifetime. I suppose the closest being Spanish flu. But I would say this situation is uh, akin to a sort of slow rolling 9-11 right mm -hmm. yeah a slow-mo 9-11 yeah absolutely you know it's yeah. a it's a combination um, it's a combination of it's a combination of spanish flu in 1918 mm. the great depression and 9-11 all wrapped onto one <laughs> yeah uh -huh. um and the the, the societal consequences are we just we, we're not getting a handle on that yet because the, the the infection dynamics are changing so much and we're literally 
so if you look at the morbidity rate, the best statistic we have are, are the completed cases. OK, so trying to predict anything from the so trying to use what they call the case fatality rate, where you take the number of people that have died divided by the total number of the infected individuals is a non it's a nonsense statistic because the 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 the, the control group that your denominator, which is the infected individuals, is expanding so rapidly. So the well, here, here's the point. I, you know, I, I, I see your point, but I, I wrote um, a little uh, detailed paragraph to Stefan Molyneux. Mm -hmm. He sent me an email this morning, and he was, there was a debate of what ratios do you need to use. Mm -hmm. Now, ratios are important for different mm -hmm. reasons. Different mm -hmm. ratios mean different things. Yes. And people need to understand what the ratio means. Mm -hmm. You know, and when you're talking about a moving data set, mm. you know, because we don't know until after all this, this pandemic is over what the real death rate is. And, mm. and, you know, that's an average worldly death rate versus an average death rate in Italy and the average death rate in China, mm -hmm. an average death rate. And so these numbers are going to change. The, yes. uh, the R not values are going to be different, yep. um, you know, around the world. There will be an average, yep. but, you know, so, but you won't know what that is until all the data is in. So yep. it's important to see all different ratios and understand yep. the different contexts. So when you're talking about deaths versus mm. total, total confirmed cases, so let me let me finish here. So 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 when someone says the death divided by the total total confirmed cases for COVID nineteen, what that means is is that that is your chance of dying in that region that it's calculated based on the current assumptions of that time yeah. that the data is collected. That is your chance of dying if you contract. The disease mm. all right that's what that that means yeah so that's all right the, the, so the classic so, case fatality rate i would i would ignore it okay because because like you said it's changing no but here but but right right but but it's an important ratio that needs to be added to other rate that, that has to be um a part of a, a another ratio set another ratio set would be yeah yeah. Result, what they call result cases. And result cases are deaths plus recovered. Mm. All right. So if you take deaths divided by the, the resolved cases, yeah. that's just stating that those, it's going to be an art of, see, here's the problem is it's almost like an artificially inflated number. Because just do the mind experiment. If you're early on in the epidemiological curve, mm. you know, as it's, it's ramping up, you're, you're, gonna ha you're not going to be able to treat individuals as well because you're learning about the disease. Mm. Treatment later, um, as you learn more about the disease, most likely would be better than the, than the, 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 the first quarter of the patients. Mm -hmm. so, if you, so, it, so, so, so if you look at deaths, divided by recovered at that mm. time frame, mm. you probably will have an inflated death rate. Yeah. If you look at it, so so it's it is very you gotta understand that the context of the ratio. 
Mm-hmm. And a lot of people don't have the mathematical background to, to dive in to, to see what that means. Because when you do a ratio, like what we're talking about, it's mm-hmm. deaths per, you know, per recovered or per, recovered. per, oh, per total, total population. So per, you know, so when you do that, when you're, when we're looking at those kinds of, of ratios, mm-hmm. um, you know, that, that people aren't really understanding the context and mm-hmm. it's a moving target. Yeah. So um, if we at this moment in time, if you mm-hmm. just look at deaths to resolved, yeah. it will show a much higher death rate than this, mm-hmm. than what will happen when you add up all the numbers at the, and when, when you, and everything's in when mm-hmm. this is done, mm-hmm. the death rate's probably going to be around two or three percent. It's not going to be 17 percent. It's not going to be that high. And so, you know, there's a lot of different ratios that are important to, to, I, I, to promote. I that. To, there's a lot of different ratios. The point I'm making is, is there's a lot of different ratios to publish. There isn't one. The point is, is there's not one death rate because no, it's a moving target. And the context I, I, of the ratio is important. Mm. So I'm, I, per, I personally don't, I personally don't look at the, death to resolved the reason being is um, i think they're overinflated they're, it, it, so it gives you an overinflated number while if you look at deaths to if you look at deaths to uh uh confirmed cases you actually might have an under inflated yeah. you know an, an, an under number so mm-hmm. somewhere in the middle well maybe not the middle but i mean somewhere in between is the more realistic number at that time but yeah. we won't know what the real number is until yeah. the pandemic's done. Yeah, and it, it could take years. So here's here's my take on that. So fortunately, in my little network, I have a, a statistician, statistician for the EU. Uh, so basically, EU-wide uh, data mining and how to uh, how to best make a risk assessment and uh he agrees with me that but right define now, the, but but when you used when you use the word risk assessment risk assessment based on what's the context so, of that of that definition so what's the definition if, of risk assessment so we have to put it in the context of the hospitals so the hospitals become the front uh front uh front line and actually right. i have uh I have video uh, that um, it's, it's privileged access to that I, where it's a two and a half hour meeting with uh, all the heads of the hospitals and departments um, speaking to the technocrats and uh, the the military uh, in the EU. And uh, OK, it's a little old now because it's from last week, but the, the conclusion from that meeting was in the hospitals that um, the army has to take over this situation because they're basically classing it now as a bio warfare phenomenon. This is their work, not mine. I think it is. I think it is. I mean, I'm. And so, I was on three. I was on two channels. Just to just to interject, just a little bit here. Cliff mm. note here, but a little note here is that I've been on two channels now mm. today. Today, where I've stated that I believe that the, the, the virus was scientifically bioengineered, mm-hmm. but in 2015, 
there was a weapons program at Wuhan, the P4 lab, where it, it bifurcated and there was a, a parallel program while they were developing the scientific line that there was mm -hmm. a, uh, a, a weapon that was developed off of the research from the scientific line. Mm -hmm. And so that, I, I, think, I think what leaked out was actually the weapon. That so, Wuhan virus is the what is the weaponized version. So my take on on this is that right now that question is almost a moot point because we're it's out and right. we have to, we have to sort that. of we, we have to just deal with the consequences of no. The, but the, the thing is, is that what uh, it does the is pathogen it, what, itself. That's, that, I agree with that. But what it does do is is it 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 tells people that this is not the flu. This is something that they've never seen before. It's way worse than, mm. than the Spanish flu because that was zoonotic. This was mm. yeah. This was supposed. This was designed to be lethal. So so it, you know so the, the the dynamics, the thinking behind it, it, it um, and to, to to combat this needs mm. to be more aggressive, mm. um, without losing our civil liberties. That's the uh, key point. Without yeah. losing our civil liberties. And, and this is why I think it's important that people understand every mechanism of the, um, the disease process itself. And so what my biggest fear is, was it arriving in the US and places like New York. And uh, there's a sort of, there's a large social difference between there and somewhere like China or Japan, where the public essentially more orderly here and responds to uh, edicts from the... Right, right, uh, right. Right. Um, th th that uh, I worry is not going to happen in uh, the United States, not for any extended period. Um, but what I don't want to see is people getting themselves into a situation because one, they, they may be asymptomatic and have the infection that's nudging their behavior towards more impulsive actions. Okay. So if they if you're sort of going out and you're going to the stores and we're already seeing it, you know, people fighting over uh, supplies and things like that. And so you're basically you, you, you're make, you're getting a pressure cooker environment and you need to uh, in order to try and mitigate that, you have to get the information out to these people that there is a potential that, you, you know, you might just find yourself feeling uh, you know, much more irritable than you normally would and you're a little bit more snappy and that interaction with other people has the capacity to escalate very quickly because if my theory is correct with it uh, uh, penetrating into the basal ganglia and basal ganglia itself is all about choice and direction of behavior right it's a massive highly complicated network in the brain and the uh, if you don't uh, if you're not aware of it and you just uh, out and something triggers you, there's there's the chance of it escalating very, very quickly. And in somewhere like New York, for example, that that has the capacity to because New Yorkers are just very sort of. So, uh, so in other words, you're saying that we are going to have the zombie apocalypse. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, you know, like my channel is and I, I, I tell you what. Paul, let me let me just send you a link right the virus is controlling our mind is what you're saying in a way the virus is controlling yes. our mind. 
Yes. So, and it, it's not such a common. Um, it's it's people know it. So the classic example is toxoplasmosis, right? So the toxoplasmosis pathogen infects rodents, and it makes the rodents more. Um, uh, they're less careful with respect to their um, their environment, so they take more risky behaviours, which means other cats can. Uh, catch the rat and you know they, they they'll go up to the cat instead of running away that cat then kills the the rat gets the pathogen but the the rat itself has been influenced by the toxoplasmosis uh, pathogen and the same happens with uh, uh, a number of other different uh, so fungi can do it so there's the cordyceps uh, mushroom. So it's not it's not an unknown phenomenon in the natural world to have something uh, hij hijack the central nervous system and nudge behavior. OK, now, like I say, my worry is in somewhere like New York, where tempers are short anyway on a on a on a daily basis. You know, when I've been there, on a good day, on a good day, right? Right. And if, if if you haven't got yourself, you know, you know, if you're ordering something and there's people behind you, you've got to be bang, 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 and have everything done and get out people's way to sort of keep the 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 place flowing, right? And if if that doesn't quite work, uh, the um, uh, the, oh, hang on, uh, I've hit a screen share with you. Don't mean to do that. I don't want to. Bear with me, Paul. I just wanted to show you something. Uh, that came into my uh, Skype the uh, other day. Oh, of course, I don't. Um, do you have, do you use Discord? No. I can, everyone keeps on telling me I should, but I, I don't have an account on it. Yeah, I think we really need to sort of set you up with one because um, as a means of sort of, uh, getting information quickly to sort of large groups. It, it's really good for that. And um, I, I'll send you the link afterwards. But basically, uh, in, in line with my hypothesis for more spitters, biters and fighters, OK, that you would expect from this pathogen. So uh, earlier, RT was reporting. You could probably Google it if you have it in front of you. Um, that in India, a COVID infected individual, so on RT News, um, they mm -hmm. they caught they the title of the the article is zombie apocalypse begins question mark okay. and in India COVID infect escaped from the quarantine uh, chased down a woman in the street while naked and then yeah I see uh, it I see it right here right and bit her yeah. throat out okay oh my god and, yeah. oh my god now, <laughs> now that what all these things were predictions I were making I was making you know six to eight weeks ago for things to look out for oh, and shit. yeah and oh, so you'll see <laughs> and a um, horrific slaying took place in Indian state on Friday when the man who was in his 30s ran out of his home naked and violently attacked the throat of a 90-year-old woman who was sleeping mm. outside her house. Mm. Wow. No. I'll um, tell you so, that, you know, that kind of, uh, you, you know, so... 
you're going to start seeing these, you know, very irrational behaviors and, and violent, you know, an uptick in violence. Yes. Yeah. And uh, this is uh, um, my worry, and especially in the U.S., because I think there's there's so there's two elements I've worried about. And I, 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 and I think about to... they they're think about they're, they're releasing prisoners from jail. I know. I know. Right. So. So already people that have impulse disorders to begin with, because right. that's what you could say most criminals are, right? It's it's poor, poor judgment and lowered uh, lowered thresholds toward uh, right. behavior. And yeah, so we're letting these people out. Um, you've got uh, mega cities like uh, New York, where, like we say, you know, the, the the New York temperament is, you know, you literally, you guys just don't take any bullshit on the streets and you know it has a it has a tendency to sort mm. of uh, right. blow up very very quickly and I think the best way to mitigate this is like we say we have people like myself and you need to engage in these discussions so people can hear this information and and be aware of it and then they can they they've got that extra bit of armor when they're out to have that in their mind to not um, not get in a situation where uh, these things can get out of control. And uh, so in, in with respect to civil liberties, if, the, the, if people act irrationally, what's going to happen is, is that gives them the excuse to continue to tighten down with respect to the military on the street and the move towards martial law. And, you know, it's very, it's very obvious right now that that's what they're doing in the West. They're slowly doing it that, because if they said right now, OK, you're all locked in and we're going to do the Chinese way. You're, the doors are shut to your buildings and you have to go for food delivery. Right. And they, they try and do it that way. Um, th that literally would cause riots. OK, but instead what's happening, you're seeing this slow python-like squeeze on, on the people and like i say my worry is with that reduced inhibition it's going to give them an excuse to clamp down harder if there's if there's civil unrest okay so the more the more people understand that one there might be a mitigating factor to people acting uh, you know doing stupid things and you know i've got a whole catalog of people spitting uh, biting, uh, and, um, we have to sort of uh, potentially mitigate uh, those circumstances. So, it, you know, if if there's a murder like the man in India and he's a he's a COVID patient, you could probably talk that town to a manslaughter charge, or, or, or on the case of diminished uh, responsibility because you're you had a disease. Because a lot of people are going to get in trouble because of stupid things, right? They're going to react stupidly because of this virus, and they're likely to get um, a confrontation with authorities that are going to be less than uh, forgiving. And we don't, we don't know how the martial well, law is going to unfold. It. Well, let's say you know someone sees a family member that is acting irrational. That's not mm -hmm. their normal behavior. And let's say there is a, a decent probability that they contracted COVID-19. Mm -hmm. uh, well, what should one do? 
they're asymptomatic. They, they you know, that they're, they're, but they're more risk taking, or they're acting uh, yeah. irrationally, or have these Tourette-like symptoms. What, what does one do? What should one? So, uh, it's a tough question because I don't think we've ever been faced with something like this uh, before. So, I would just say, well, we know there are treatments that can reduce that impulsivity. Right. So there's a whole range of uh, neuropsychiatric medi uh, medications and interventions you could make if you feel that someone was, uh, you know, they're Too out of control. Yeah. Yeah. And um, so you could you could potentially go to a doctor and say, well, this is the thing. You have to convince the doctor that the you, you might have had an exposure to covid. Well, I mean, the way they're testing right now, it's a nasal swab. Okay. So I would think that you would have viral, you know, would, viral particles there. Yeah. Mm. You know, mm. so they should test with this behavior that one's seeing, mm. they should test positive. The problem comes in if they're testing negative. Yeah. So, I mean, that's the whole story. Because of... if they're testing positive, then, you know, you can go, okay, let's put some antivirals. Mm. Let's, you know, do some, you know, psychotropic yeah. medication to calm them down. And then, you know, treat the disease this way. Mm -hmm. um, so I guess, I guess for the average person that, that sees someone that they know behaving like this, they need to see the doctor and be tested. Absolutely. The question is, is, is there enough doctors out there that would say, okay, I'm going to test this patient because of, of neurological symptoms, but mm -hmm. no, no, no pulmonary problem. Mm. And that because is, honestly, I don't think a lot of MDs are thinking like you're thinking. No, they're not. There's a right? few, but there's a few, but not a, not a lot. Not not uh, not the far majority would just think this person's crazy. Yeah, and not yeah. realize that it's being that the catalyst is a, is is a viral infection that is yeah. that has a rabies-like mechanism. Yeah, and like I say, you can you can look in the scientific literature about the the nature of the covid pathogen right it does we're, we're not talking theoreticals here this is something that's known in the literature with respect to the virus itself what's not known is the impact on behavior and i'm probably one of the few people that can speak to that because i've been in a situation where i've been able to manipulate those circuits and see what happens when the disinhibition is removed and so you get a lot of bizarre autonomic effects autonomic collapse and also those regions um sad to say but you know this is what i found with testing you can get a sort of uh, you can have a live subject one minute and then the next they're just gone right and there's no lesion in the brain something just seems to kick in and jump their soul out their body at, at, or whatever that's a bizarre way of putting it be a bit more uh, precise Kevin, uh, basically they're they're alive and um, breathing one minute. The next they are uh, struggling with um, uh, breathing and they start foaming at the mouth and within seconds they're dead, right? So it looks like some sort of autonomic uh, mm -hmm. phenomenon. And the, like I say, one of the things that I see when I manipulate this region is they start sort of foaming at the mouth, right? And that's often where the spit comes from. Now, a, a, a macaque is more like a dog uh, in that respect, because and they'll do a sort of uh, head shake 
to get rid of uh, excess fluid. So it's more like a spray. But if you got mm. bitten, uh, if they were if they were COVID infected, rather than me just manipulating the brain and they were showing this um, uh, foaming at the mouth. Uh, if it was a higher monkey, a chimpanzee, they spit, right? And they that reflex is in them and they can spit really far and uh, get, get quite a bit of power behind it. And th that reflex is embedded in the neural networks of us. We are a great ape. And the spitting is a common phenomenon for limbic disinhibition, right? So that's that's the key phrase that everyone needs to understand is limbic system disinhibition is going to lead to impulse control conditions, very likely spitting, very likely um, uh, biting and getting into a fight of some kind. Because once you're fighting with someone, the virus is going to be exchanging, right? Uh, if a, if a non-infected gets and the, uh, in, interacts with an infected and the infected's got a short temper and they start, even if it's just shouting in each other's faces right the virus has won because he's he's basically infected another person because he's edged that person towards that uh that threshold of behavior and like i say do, do you think that this is an emerging property or do you think this was designed this this uh, this mechanism of manipulating the limbic system it's a very difficult question to answer because we're, we're literally just going on assumption with respect to the providence of the, the pathogen itself. And, you know, there's, a, there's, there's the saying that correlation is not causation, but there was a lot of information, there was a lot of stuff correlating around Wuhan and things were looking odd. And whenever smart Alex say something like correlation is not causation to me, when I'm giving a lecture, the proper response to that is uh, where, where there's smoke, there's usually fire. Right? right. And if you see smoke, start looking for the fire at that point. And um, if you ignore it and you just think the smoke is not related in any way or, or it's just a correlation. Um, well, you get what I mean, right? You, mm -hmm. If there's if there's a strong enough correlation and there seems to be to point fingers at the Wuhan research facility, well, in, finan in finance, if we look at tick level, mm. you know, where it's tick level means like it's like microsecond, you know, as mm. the price is changing or even even at um, even at the minute level. Mm -hmm. All right. Or maybe a little bit quicker than the minute level, maybe the 30 second level mm. um, correlation to a fly fl roaming around mm. in, 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 in space. There is strong correlation between the fly and the, the market. But when you zoom out to a larger time series mm. um, where the, the price is you know, measured in five minutes or 20 minutes or even mm. day at the day mm. or, or month level, the correlation breaks down. So the point here is, is you can get high correlation with more chaotic systems mm -hmm. when they're in the chaotic attraction yeah. um, just by random you know, ran, you know, randomness, uh, then, uh, orderly systems. Mm -hmm. So, uh, but you know, that's, you know, from the finance side now, you know, what does that mean in the biological side? My, my scientific hat would say 
it's an emerge it's an emerging property mm -hmm. um, yeah. that so happens to affect the limbic system because mm -hmm. I think it would be really hard to kind of design the virus to do that. Mm -hmm. um, but I don't know enough about rabies. Mm. Well, and so, there may so be let's... some rabies homology, something that, that you know, there, there may be a mechanism that's designed into the genome of, of the coronavirus, the Wuhan strand that, that, um, that has similar mechanisms as rabies. I don't know. I don't, I, I, you know, this is the first I've ever heard of, of what, you know, of what you're saying, this mechanism, but it makes sense because there are cases that are COVID-19 that are showing these neurological problems. Yeah. And no and, one could figure out why, but I, I think you have the mechanism. I think you understand the mechanism. Mm -hmm. uh, and that's very, I liked your, your metaphor and uh, anecdote. And uh, I don't want to, well, you know, we can get highly, uh, we can get highly technical with respect to sort of what are metastable systems, etc. But let me wind that back and, and use your example. So you, you have a sort of understanding of what rabies is, right? You, you understand mm -hmm. it's a, so what's the, what's the main thing that people get scared of uh, around rabid animals? What does a rabid animal do? Well, it's it irrational. It, it yes. wants to attack. It's irrational. Right. You don't know, you can't predict it. Right. So, and what does it, a rabid dog will go and try and bite you, okay? Mm -hmm. Now, the argument can be made, well, is, is that the dog's natural behaviors, or is it a, um, is it the virus that's doing that? Somehow, over, over the time course of the co-evolution with organisms, the rabies uh, virus has built into it this, uh, this capacity to, um, affect behavior that uh, uh, augments well, I, I, I would take it something even deeper if you go to the the cambrian the cambrian explosion you know during the you know the you know early evolution the cambrian explosion had a lot of species well when i was born. but but <laughs> so so but the thing is is they were in oh they were always in attack mode the, the mm -hmm. assumption is they were always in attack mode i don't believe that they 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 trusted things all right because they just didn't have that kind of you know neural network to trust all right mm -hmm. so but as as right. we evolved and you know we are you know more you know let's say go to the dog level you know where there is tr you can see trust in dogs mm -hmm. um so the baseline of the neural network because we're you know we come from the you know the cambrian explosion um that baseline is aggression mm -hmm. okay yeah, so 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 as we build these as we evolved and built you know more complex networks neural networks what happens is is that we build um trust uh companionship all these other emotional things right mm -hmm. well if you're infected by a virus we actually may be de-evolving to our baseline. Mm -hmm. Our baseline is aggression. Mm -hmm. And yeah. we need, we, we have these higher order neurons to control that aggression. Mm -hmm. 
you know, right. our, 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 you know, so, so I think, I, you know, there, I, I think you're right. There is there, this virus is affecting us. Um, and rabies affects, you know, animal, um, you know, animal behavior. And it's, it's reverting us to a baseline, an evolutionary baseline of aggression. So uh, I would I would agree with that with one caveat that um, rabies is highly lethal, right? And I'm, I don't want to say that COVID is the same at this stage, although that uh, that well, uh, every nine minutes someone die every nine minutes in New York someone yeah. dies, so right. it's it's lethal. <laughs> but, yeah. But, but, but no, I don't, I don't want to be. Uh, I don't want to be uh, panicking people. The reason I, the reason I'm sort of doing this, uh, trying to talk to as many people as I can, is to try to get. If you get knowledge out, forewarned is forearmed. Okay, mm -hmm. and, and um, if people are aware that this is a potentiality, then the. Um, I think we can mitigate it, and then we give the people that want to take away your constitutional rights, less of a possibility of doing it. OK, so once people realize that maybe they could be a bit touchy and they have to be a bit self-aware that, you know, maybe they are uh, snapping back at the wife or, you know, telling the children off more than more than they normally would. You know, they need to think, oh, especially like, let's say, let's just constrain to New York for, for the moment. The, the, everyone there needs to understand that there is this potential for the neurotropic uh, component of COVID. And of course, you have the ability to uh, take executive control of these networks. So let me give you a little insight into uh, neuroscience and um, networks if you want to sort of, I know you're thinking of going back to get your MD, right? That's what I heard. Well, yeah. I'm, well, I mean, yeah, I'm working on after I'll be going to medical school this year if they don't cancel it <laughs> yeah, well, but uh, yeah but that, that you know the whole the whole idea was to you know get my MD and I actually wanted to be a surgeon I wanted to be in uh, cardiothoracic surgeon but but go ahead so um, a, a key thing that you learn in the neurosciences is that so we know that your brain uses a highly disproportional amount of uh, blood glucose, oxygen, just to keep the brain um, supplied with all it needs. And all that energy is being um, used to actually stop you from doing stuff. So that the, the most highly metabolic areas in the brain are the output nuclei of the basal ganglia which which have uh, essentially suppressing um, you doing unwanted behaviors, right? And th these these cells have to fire very, very fast and they're impinging onto the thalamus and it stops the thalamocortical pathways becoming active. And that, and that takes huge amounts of energy to run those uh, cells, also the cerebellum. So half the neurons in the brain are in the cerebellum itself. They are highly active neurons and they're another gateway for release of behaviors uh, or, or controlling the release of behaviors because you don't want to be sitting here talking to me. And as you're, um, you're trying it's to like almost like a fee, it's like a feedback, like with the cerebellum, you know, as you're doing them, uh, you're moving your, you know, controlling your muscle. There's a mm -hmm. feedback 
Because if you didn't yeah. have that feedback and you, you send a signal to your muscle, you'd, you'd be a quick jerk. But you need yeah. almost like you, you almost need like a, um, a, 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 a circuit, a neural circuit that slows it down, mm. that it slows that movement down. So you, have, you, can, you can track. So individuals that, um, that drink mm-hmm. um, and that cerebellum starts to get disease, especially in the, um, in the anterior part of the, of the, of the cerebellum, uh, you, 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 can't, you can't track very well. So if you're trying to point to something and you to hit the, the spot, what happens is, is that they can, you know, they, as they're getting closer, it gets a little bit more wild. Mm. And their their feedback that those feedback networks aren't working very well. Mm. But, well, so, um, so, yeah. so that's... no, I, I understand what you mean that that mm. that the, these feedback uh, circuits, you know, use a lot of energy because they're firing, 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 and all those yeah. all those fires, uh, you know, are using you know using energy. Yeah. So every so action ATP, potential. Yeah. yeah. Every every action potential requires uh, huge amounts of um, ATP, uh, ion transfer. And if you think that these cells are firing at 70, 80 times a second, that's why there's so much blood going to the brain, right? Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, there's, there's more complexities to it, but what, you know, maybe people that are not uh, up, up to um, the more advanced levels, they want to come to people like yourself and be able to get a, uh, a a sort of quick explanation as to what could potentially be going on. And uh, like I say, my main thesis is that this this um, this pathogen is going to affect the ability of the the behavioural control that people would normally have. And it's going to put them in situations that are going to be potentially dangerous for them. And look, the 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 guy standing at the end of the block with the rifles and the Humvee, okay, and in a pandemic situation, are not going to take any chances, right? Well, now that these people that, that you know, not if if the public is getting infected, and let's say a small percentage of them have this this disease state with the neurons that you're, you're describing, if they see the military being aggressive, there's more chance of that individual becoming more aggressive. They're going to get triggered. Yeah, absolutely. And the, so this um, is, this is proof that we should not have the military trying to quarantine individuals that, you know, that they need to, they need, they need a different way to project force. They need to project force with kindness, not with a gun. Yeah, because with a gun and fatigues, it's going to yeah. exacerbate the problem. Yeah, and I, I agree a hundred percent with that. And I think we have to do our best to mitigate that on both sides of the equation. So there's the military aspect, and they so they need to understand that people may be asymptomatic, but yet prone to uh, erratic behavior. Okay. And uh, the people who are coming under watch, they need to be able to uh, understand that they have a potential as well. And if you know that, you can you can make uh, changes to your behavior. So 
uh, I'll use the example of Tourette's patients, they can often control their urges till they get to somewhere, uh, you know, that they feel comfortable and then they let ticks out and uh, the, um, uh, the, the urge that they feel to engage in these behaviours. And everyone needs to get this, to try to get this information to just try and sort of dampen the uh, potential uh, tragic interactions. And like I say, the, the spitting is increasing exponentially. You know, people are being arrested all the time and claiming they're, um, you know, they've got COVID and then coughing in people's faces. And we need to do our best to uh, uh, mitigate it. And like I say, I'm, I'm trying to speak as to many people as I can. And my my problem has been that um, what I'm talking about, you know, there's there's a sort of technical barrier to, to getting a grip on it because you have to you have to be somewhat somewhat familiar with some of the neuroscience and most people but, but most people have an understanding of basic illness like respiratory pneumonia uh, but these these more uh, these more subtle effects uh, are going to be difficult to control for Does that makes sense mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so unfortunately the powers the power brokers in government don't have an, a true understanding of science no. you know because they're run you know no, most no. of them are and lawyers I, and lawyers aren't scientists agree and uh so i, mean, I was just like i was shocked I was shocked when I started this channel um, how how the baseline of science is so low in Western culture. Mm. I mean, some um, rudimentary things, you know, that I take for granted, other people just do not know. Right. And um, it, just, it just really shocks me. I mean, it's just because what it is is that a lot of people don't have a, a, a science, a, you know, science education. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. a lot of it is liberal arts. You know, it's a liberal art education. Yeah, and uh, you know that's a rant we could go on on another another day. Right, but, right, right, right. Um, right. Uh, the uh, the like I say, we we we're trying to find practical solutions to what is a highly complex set of dynamics that are just um, uh, they're changing. By, by the day right so like I said my initial thought was well write a paper I'll write a paper and probably 20 people would read it right well this is this is what I call being in the battle yeah. or being a historian the historians yeah. sit back and they're writing it because it's nice you know they got the data and they you know they have the comfort of their seat and their you know and their keyboard and they're writing a paper yeah. right being on the battle you're getting real-time data and you're trying to affect change in real time. Absolutely. That's yeah. what I mean. That's what I mean. Being on the battle, battle battlefield. So I'd much mm-hmm. rather be on the battlefield than you know write an academic paper. And I've wrote academic yeah. papers, you know. So I just like, but I I much prefer this this way of trying to engage and, and affect change. Yeah, and uh, I'm I'm all for jumping in the trenches and you know lending a hand as much as possible hey big boy daddy's talking to someone okay can you wait it'd be good boy hey 
Thank you. So I, I you know, I appreciate you, you know, spending the time and, and, and sharing your knowledge, your specific knowledge about neuroscience, which is greatly needed. And, um, you know, what I'll do is, is I'll, you know, reach out again. Um, uh, and we can, you know, continue this conversation and what you think, because t things are going to be moving and oh, your yeah. theories, your, your hypotheses, you know, will evolve. And we'll get more and more clinical data, you know, that's yes. published out there to understand what's going on and, and, and to inform the public. But I think what you provided today and, you know, we've been talking for a little over an hour and a half. Um, mm -hmm. But, you know, that oh, we just, what we just provided today is, yeah, right. I know. But you've provided very, very valuable information. But, um, you know, let's, uh, you know, let's you know, maybe do another update in a few days or so or a week and and, so it, and what, you know what i'll wanna... do is um so i've been speaking to a few people so literally you know thank the lord that um people are beginning to sort of take notice of what i'm saying so i have got on a few you know podcasts that do have a sizable audience so um that's i'm hopefully gonna sort of break that uh uh, break through that barrier so people can sort of hear the information but what I'll do um, to try and sort of get us so we're both speaking on the same page I'll send you uh, I'll link you to uh, Google Drive and you can sort of download uh, PDF uh, sorry PowerPoints that I have that contain a lot of this information and then we can just sort of go back and forth if you have a question and um, we need to get you set up with discord and then you can sort of see real time as people are sort of aggregating this information um, with the COVID biters. And, it, you know, it's, I'm trying to gear it towards the neuropsychiatric side rather than the uh, respiratory failure, et cetera. But mm -hmm. this is important. Uh, well, you, you know, could... I, I look at it as that all pathways of infection are important, not just one. <laughs> Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, you got to look at this whole thing holistically. This is the problem with with medicine, mm -hmm. is I, that you know there's these these silos, and when you have a complex system like what we're dealing with right now, um, silo thinking doesn't help. Silo thinking uh -huh. helps for you know building up expertise, but yeah. you know we we have to look at all the different silos with this you know all the different mechanisms, all the different pathways. Because um, something will be learned from that. But I agree with you that the, the neurological pathway is definitely an important pathway. Mm. And it's, it's not being discussed right now. And no, I no, no. I, very, very few people are talking about it. Very, mm. very, very few. So I, actually, I'll tell you what was a good indicator that did sort of pop into the uh, popular press was people were suddenly reporting loss of smell. Yeah. as a long-term long -term consequence of the, the condition. And I would see that's, I would say that's a bang on prediction for... Um, well, are those recovered cases or ones that are uh, currently infected? Okay, recovered, recovered and, cases. And ongoing, okay? Ongoing, so, because, you know, I know that, you know, when I have a cold, I can't smell. So I, I just automatically assumed without, you know, reading deeply into it, that it was individuals that, that, currently had COVID-19 disease and that, you know, that the smell would come back. So I never really thought anything about it because I was just, you know, anecdotally, you know, saying, well, that's kind of something that I would have if I had a cold, I couldn't smell. Right. 
Right. You know, but yeah. if it's recovered and it's, you know, and then it, it, you know, it becomes a chronic problem, then, then that, that, that to me is sounding like they're not developed, their, their stem cells aren't working. Right. To and regenerate. So if we, if we're in a situation where we know that the pathogen can infect the, any entryway in, so the nasal, uh, the, um, mm-hmm. olfactory system is a good one. Um, the olfactory system is one of the few areas of the brain where it does have a sort of regenerative capacity with with right. stem cells. Uh, the rest of the brain, not so much. Um, and I'm thinking what might I'm just sort of speculating here, but they're getting transfected and maybe they're lucky enough that the virus doesn't make the next jump across the synapse, the next synapse, which puts it directly into the into the basal mm-hmm. ganglia networks. Um, but the evidence keeps mounting and not only is it just the, you know, so things like loss of, um, smell, loss of hearing is being reported. And, um, these seem to be, uh, effects that are outside the normal range, but there's also, um, the people that have had seizures, uh, has been a major complication to, uh, the pathogen itself and I think I put a paper in your chat and uh, one of them one of them is the evidence from Wuhan where they have actually done the the testing of uh, the neurological symptoms so the Chinese were recognizing that there were uh, clinical markers with respect to um, the disorder itself at the level of the nervous system Right now in the West, we're, we're not doing it. And like I say, if it comes down to people like us shouting on the internet or screaming into the void, if that's all we've got, that's what we have to use, right? And Well, I mean, uh, my, you know, it's, and the, the void is getting larger. The sound in the void is getting larger. So, <laughs> yeah, well, I, yeah. You've done really well because you, you sort of got on top of this really early and um you know i sort of saw your videos pop up straight away and actually your videos uh, back in january mm-hmm. were sort of were instrumental in me pulling my children out of school at that time as well as what 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 i was see <laughs> what i was seeing in uh china i just said okay i'm not i'm not taking the risk uh, um i'll uh, the kids are out of school that was a big step to take because that doesn't happen in japan without sort of top-down mm-hmm. approval and um i'll tell you another little anecdote from japan japan were hiding their cases right really up until yeah oh yeah 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 because they wanted to they had the olympics in the summer right uh, 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 yeah right and so um they 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 were deliberately not testing people people were going to clinics and then they were basically saying they would they would write it as pneumonia or flu or any other condition that would be close to it but not covid and not testing i think that's that what way. they were doing at the cdc early on oh yeah maybe yeah. i yeah. i think we've had it since december in um, the united states and i think the cdc knew that we had it and just and just stated as flu-like symptoms. Yeah, because the and, far majority uh, of the cases are are somewhat benign. Yeah, 
I mean, if if it's a case that it's a sort of, uh, I don't know, a a, a, a a light rabies, okay, and it's so you've got all these um, asymptomatic people, but they're walking around spreading, right? And their nerves are the, the system is hijacked in such a way that they go and do uh, the coughing over the vegetables or the spitting over the you know all the, all these sort of bizarre bizarre videos that we've been uh, looking at and seeing. And uh, yeah, the, the the numbers are off. And like I say, Japan, they were lying through their teeth with respect to the figures. As soon as the Olympics was cancelled, suddenly uh, COVID, ca- <laughs> yeah, yeah. The, the COVID, COVID cases start popping up everywhere. Lit- Interesting. a uh, uh, interview no I was just giving a, a stream and just talking to people on my so they announced on the, the emergency PA system in Japan stay indoors only go out for essential travel right <laughs> and uh, that's that's purely in response to them cancelling the Olympics if the, if, if the Japanese had one inkling that they could uh, uh, keep it going you, you wouldn't hear anything at all I'm, like I say, very interesting observation. Very interesting mm. observation. Because I was wondering, it's like, damn, I just something doesn't seem right with Japan. Yeah, and but, yeah, I uh, think you're right yeah. that, that there's they were hiding it to, to maintain the Olympics, but it just got so bad around the world that they couldn't do it. Yeah, well, Canada, Australia pulled out, and once those countries pull out, um, you've basically destroyed much of the Olympics anyway, because, I mean, who, who's the major players in the Olympics? Australia, Canada, USA, then probably a, a handful of European countries might be in well, there. China, but, Ch- you know, China, well, Germany, well, yeah. Russia. Yeah. And uh, these, are, these are years in the making. And the Japanese authorities, uh, said, you know, people... Don't you know they have ideas about Japan? But I'll, I'll give you a bit of the dirty underside. So no, I, um, I used to live in Japan. I used to live in. Oh, Yokohama. did you? Yeah. Oh, okay. So uh, you're because uh, I used to. I used. Did... I, you know, so I, I used to work for Nissan when I was an automotive engineer. Oh, okay. So uh, when was that? Were you? Uh, this was back in early early two thousand. Uh, so well, so what I would say is, after the earthquake happened and Fukushima got taken out, right? Hundred. Oh, yeah, I was already, I was already back in the states by then. So thousands of people were displaced and put into basically um, uh, wood panel houses, right? Mm-hmm. Very temporary housing, and the government was supposed to t- take care of them. And it's a huge scandal in Japan that many, many of these people. Are still living in this emergency housing whilst the japanese went and put all their uh, or spent a lot of money uh, getting ready for the olympics and still leaving these people in you know very sort of dire situations and and now uh the the japanese authorities have to deal with and there's a there's a you know you understand the honor mm-hmm. culture here right that mm-hmm. they they have to be seen to be doing uh, the right thing Okay. Even if they don't and sort of sweep things under the carpet, which they often do, um, which mm-hmm. has happened with the, the people from Fukushima. Um, well, yeah, saving... exactly. When they're right, you know, testing, you know, testing, you know, properly, you know, for the thyroid, 
you know, a lot of these municipalities aren't aren't doing the, the, the proper testing for these children. I, I was watching. A, I, yeah. it was interesting. I was watching actually a, a documentary by NHK, uh, you know, talking about this. And, you know, NHK is state, you know, state television. So yeah. but I was surprised that they were even they were showing that much detail about, you know, some of the some of the negative negative things that were going on with Fukushima, you know, years later. Uh, but uh, Paul, it's such it's such a national scandal, right? You know, it, it does come up in the press and there are, you know, Japan luckily does have somewhat of a free press and, you know, the fourth estate is there to sort of keep uh, the checks and balances in place. And so there are people that are sort of sympathetic to the cause of the uh, of the people affected by Fukushima um, and they you do get regular reports so you know that's good but the problem is what what how come the, the government of Japan can spend billions on Olympics but not give these people uh, proper shelter and housing and exactly. at the same time at the same time these people who are who are um, deliberately obfuscating with respect to Fukushima are the same ones who have said we're not testing people um, because we want to keep the numbers down and uh, and we're going to basically lie for the dollars that would come from hosting the Olympics and that to me is just another sign of we need to call these people out so your side is the uh, you know I, I don't think you can sort of point fingers at Trump because he's you know this is outside of his his normal range of expertise right um but who does need calling out are the people around him that are supposed to be advising him and very very early on as soon as there was any inkling of a pandemic um uh, things should have been put in place to one limit people coming into the country uh, especially from China and this is another thing that happened in Japan, which was disgusting. OK, so Japan's become quite close with China and they've got relatively friendly relations now. But Abe said um, there's uh, as, as the disease started, they said, oh, we're we're cancelling flights from China. Right. And that's that sounds great. But what what they didn't tell you is they're only cancelling flights from China from Hubei province. Right. Everywhere else from China was still allowed to to come to Japan. It's the same problem uh, that we have with New York. New York keeps on getting flights going and oh, coming. <laughs> still. Yeah. Even now. Yeah. Wow. So that's you know, that's the, the, the debate in the States. This is do we shut down New York completely? No in and out until, you know, a certain quarantine date. Well, I, I think if they'd done this right at the beginning, um, and taken the hit economically, but sort of got a handle on the situation, we would be looking at a much more different dynamic right now. Instead, Absolutely. we're literally <laughs> we're looking at what looks like the worst of the worst with respect to uh, zombie novels or films, right? You could literally sort of take what's going on and it could be the intro to um, right. Day of the Dead, right? Right, right, and, right. Exactly. Uh, exactly. It's... Yeah, I, I, like I say, you've you've done an excellent job of sort of getting word out, and I mean, like I said, you know, this, you know, this is going to be a long battle. There we're, we're, you know, this is just beginning. You know, and oh yeah, hopefully, yeah. but I do believe that people like you, people like Peaks Prosperity, people that are trying to get the word out, 
and, and, and coming up with solutions and explanations of what is happening and how to protect yourself and, you know, and, 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 you know, to have a more scientific mind through this instead of panicking, mm-hmm. um, will save lives. I think w- what we're doing is saving lives. And yeah, that's, I, I, that's the main, that's the main driver for me because I'll yeah, tell I, you, you know, some days it gets pretty, you know, exhausting, depressing, you know, yeah. you, you, you get all the emotions, you know, but, um, uh, so the, the yeah, main, the main driver for me is to try to save, save people's lives. Here. Yeah. And that's, that's mine. And you know what? I lived in the U S and I love the U S as a country. I don't want to see the U S become victim of more, um, bizarre legislation like the Patriot Act and uh, these things need unwinding and right now we have to do our best to mitigate the problems that can come from not only the uh, res- uh, respiratory pneumonia but also these other effects which, we're, which I'm trying to highlight and although they might be somewhat subtle and complex to understand you need to get a handle on it and everyone that's sort of speaking towards it um, needs to as well and if you're speaking with uh stefan um he did uh, he did say um, am i available for an invite i wrote back to him but uh, i haven't heard back but i know he's just probably snowed under but if you are i, I saw you on his show if you could tell him that mm-hmm. what i'm what i'm saying is uh it, it is of vital importance for people to uh to know this and like i say especially as you've reached uh New York, and I, I hate to think what's going to happen in LA. Um, you know, things things could get bad very, very quickly, especially if cool heads can't prevail. And I, I hear what you're saying about the exhaustion, and I, I hope you don't mind me asking if, if it's a sort of uh, personal question. But um, do you have you got sort of girlfriend, wife, kids around you? to sort of help break up the well i mean i have yeah you know i have people around me that can you know that can you know help you know deal with you know the 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 stress of this you know yeah you know and i you know i have a lot of people that reach out you know that are close to me and that are that uh that are new friends so you know but um you know i it's still it's still stressful, I'll tell you, especially as the death rates, inc- you know, is, especially when the death toll, you know, keeps on increasing in New York. What freaked me yeah, out look, was when they started uh, putting the, the morgues, the morgues on the street. Uh-huh. Yeah. yeah. Uh, okay. So and what that- I'm going to do is, you know, we'll, we've been, you know, um, streaming for, you know, about two, you know, almost two hours now. But um, what I'll do is, that, you know, package this up put it on the, on the channel and yeah. we'll, I'll reach out to uh, Stefan and, you know, you know, try to get him on your, on, on, get you on his show. Um, he doesn't answer emails very good. I mean, he's but, not very with answering emails. So, yeah. but, um, and, you know, we'll, we'll be in contact again and, and continue evolving this, this theory. Uh, I think we have to. We have to because, like you said, yeah. um, I, I, I sort of got the understanding, uh, listening to your background, that you sort of have uh, an interest in these sort of complex dynamics, uh, the chaos theory dynamics, and um, 
that sort of insight is really uh, crucial as well right now because uh, you know highly complex metastable systems you know they can seem like they're they're doing okay but literally they can flip on a dime rate and then you know the the intermediate intermediate uh, properties are very or highly unpredictable till the next uh, next stable level is reached and people like yourself who have been you've been watching this right from the beginning you you have some insight into the large numbers and that and these fluxes that can occur uh, when you're when you're dealing with these sort of dynamics so like I say I, I tune in I do watch you um, I think you've been Thank doing you. a great job <laughs> great job and uh, like I say my I don't know, like the way I've done it is I've tried to, because I know the neuroscience is a sort of put off for people that, you know, if you look at my channel, it's got sort of cartoon zombie stuff on it. I don't know if you, do you know Jim Metica? Do you listen to his podcast at all? No. no so, well, it, you know, basically it's type, you know, tongue-in-cheek way of looking at the, uh, at the issue. And my idea to try and get uh, as much reach as possible to, to the people, to the young people, right? It's the young people that we actually need to be looking after was to try and sort of make it a bit tongue in cheek and uh, try to try to inject a little bit of uh, humor into it just to just so it's not such a black pill for uh, people to swallow every day. And, um, you know, it's yeah, I've been doing it a month. I've got 500, nearly 600 subscribers. Um, but it would be good to get those numbers up. I am streaming every day, and literally, I was up till six a.m. this morning. Um, it's only because I, I fell asleep. And my wife woke me up. It was literally five to ten when we arranged to call you. So I was, I was literally, you know, running upstairs making sure because I didn't want to miss miss this chance to uh, right. exchange so information. So in in the in the uh, in the chat here on, on Skype, put your links that you want me to put underneath the description box for the video be. so people can subscribe to your channel watch your stuff okay yeah if you could put that out i'd be really grateful and yep. Uh, yep. What, what i would ask people is uh please try and get a discord and get into get into that space and then at least that helps us to establish a more dynamic uh conversation mm -hmm. but rather than sort of relying on uh email or um face-to-face uh, -face time right you can sort of you can see the articles you can see uh what people are saying and uh it's an easy way you know it's a quick sentence to say cool take a look at this or you you do the same for me point me to something that you think if you come across biting and spitting now or any sort of neurological symptoms try to feed that information to me then i'll put it into a streamable format that hopefully people will listen to and like i say it's um this is a fight in the trenches right and um we need you, you have to have people watching your back and um the you know it, it, what i've done i've literally taken the credibility my 20-year research career and the name i've had and i've literally just thrown it into this mix like he hell or high water and i know you um, i know i know exactly what you're saying because i mean i'm i'm betting the farm too here yeah <laughs> you know i um, mean my my reputation is right on the line but like yeah. that's part of being on the battle 
on the yeah. battlefield, you know, and, you know, and, 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 and making a difference because right. when everything's said and done mm. and everything's said and done, and we look at this five, 10 years later, mm. we can honestly say that we did something. Right. Others didn't. Right. And, uh, and once like that say, happens, you can never undo it. You know what I mean? Yeah, you, you, you know, the there'll always be, right. It's, you know, that, the ones that wanted to do something were, but were too chicken, you know, yeah. or too passive, it's too late, you know? Yeah. So, and, you know, I'd see, much rather live by doing than yeah. live by regretting. Yeah, that's perfect. That's really, uh, re uh, there, there are two things I'm taking from you in this conversation. Mm -hmm. One, one is the description of uh, disciplines as silos. That's, that's a great metaphor. And uh, how, how did you say the last one? It's it, uh, you want to you know, live by you know, live by doing instead of you know live by regretting. Yeah, perfect. I'm gonna I'm gonna try and uh, get that into the memory banks. Uh, mine are filling up uh, rapidly, but yeah, you're you're a hundred percent right on this. And um, you know, in in that time frame that we're talking about, um, we can still point to these people and say, hey. You know, there were people trying to show you uh, data. There is scientific data out there that you should have been paying attention to. But no, you everyone was too scared to put their head up beyond the parapet, beyond, uh, except beyond their specific role. So like the Surgeon General, um, that man has to go, right, because of the faulty information that he gave. Well, to the you know, he's, he's an anesthesiologist. I know. There's, there's he says he doesn't even have him. He doesn't even have. I mean, he doesn't have. I'd much rather have a general physician mm -hmm. running the Surgeon General than an anesthesiologist. Yeah, and uh, you know? I'll, I'll add. <laughs> it's a it's a very valid criticism, and I've made it. Um, he doesn't have a research profile. He's he's wrote a couple of chapters and one one paper, I think. Nothing nothing that would sort of be groundbreaking scientific uh, work that would sort of give him. Well, you know, he's gravitas. got you know yeah he's got you know some you know he has a master's level in in public health that that helps him with the position that he's in. But again, I would think that the the, the minimum for that cat that 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 cabinet position. Um, would be uh, a a general physician, because a general physician at least is, you know, they're studying multiple systems right. and 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 drug interactions and stuff like mm -hmm. that. Now, an anesthesiologist, you know, understands drug interactions, obviously, but mm -hmm. they, if you have a cold, you don't mm -hmm. go to an anesthesiologist; you go to a general physician. You know, so I mean, so I much, I much rather have, like I said, I much rather have an ER doctor or a, a uh, you know, general physician or family yeah. doctor than an anesthesiologist running, you know, the Surgeon General's office. Yeah, and look, uh, as they as they want to try and sort of make it a quasi-military position, um, I, I would want someone that's maybe been in a uh, someone from the military who's actually got military experience and that can sit in a command and control type of right. conference and actually right. have the balls to speak up and say something's right. that's not but, right. Uh, exactly. That, that that was, you know, that that's that's why I think that the Surgeon General is probably better position 
that is coming from, uh, you know, like a, a, a battlefield ER type, you know, experience. Yeah. Um, but and um, that's what we need. And like I say, uh, I'll give I'll send you some of the videos I've got from this high level meeting in the EU uh, between the hospitals and the military. And um, in the EU, they're saying we're, we're relinquishing control to the military because they're considering it a biowarfare um state they're not they're not pointing blame at anyone per se but they're basically saying that the army has to be in control of this the hospitals of course the hospitals have to treat but the first the first response has to come from the military the military are going to be responsible for touraging patients into uh, specific uh, areas where they can get help but the the civilian the civilian infrastructure has basically done a, a hands-off approach and actually if you watch trump's speeches a couple of weeks back when he said uh the he's he's pushing control to the state the state governors have control on what to do um that doing uh, you get well technically the way the united states works yeah, the, the, technically, the way the United States works, the states, the states' rights, we call them states' rights, states' rights are more powerful than the federal government. So they, they, the, 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 the president yeah. has to ask the permission of the governor. Yeah. If you take and the power of all the, all, the, all the power of all the governors, the power of all the governors are more powerful than the president of the United States. Mm -hmm. That's the, how the way the system is supposed to work, except except with the military. The, the, the ultimate, you know, the, the, the chief of command for the military is obviously the president, the master in chief, right? But but the, you know, in terms of of states' rights, the the president doesn't have much power over the governor. Hello. Yeah. Uh, yeah, just go. I don't, I don't know what happened. Poor connection. Um, okay. So, all right. You you can you can probably speak to this that um, they were they were just signing bills recently, which basically my understanding of it was that there was a um, component in oh, I, can't, I can't recall the bill right now, but it was just voted in a couple of weeks, which basically extended the. Uh, the laws with respect to medical quarantines that they can use martial law and uh, the uh, the well the force of the military and like I say there just there just seems to be a slow sleepwalking into that um, state Bio, where the Biopatriot Act that I'm talking about yeah yeah and mm -hmm. look you've 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 been very very consistent in you know trying to get the message home that. Uh, we there are rights that need to be upheld in the U.S. You know that's when when people ask me what where do I lie sort of politically. You know I I sort of I, I think of myself more as a sort of sovereign citizen type, and I would defer to the Constitution of the United States as a sort of metric by which I would want to live uh, uh, my life. And any threat to that is a threat to literally the whole Western world. And, you know, a big fear of mine is, especially if these asymptomatic cases, 
right? So already look at the number of cases that are going into hospitals or are deathly ill, and then imagine the asymptomatic cases that are, that are agents of chaos because they don't really understand uh, what's going uh, what's going on, right? And they they're doing stuff like fighting for milk in the Wawa down the street, okay? And there's there's a lot of scope for them to have uh, or we should be saying let's not give them the excuse any more than they have right now to to start taking away and infringing on the rights of the individual right that we have to we have to maintain uh the civil uh structures as much as possible and so okay let's accept the fact we have to do 30 days quarantine Keep the keep the military to a minimal uh, minimum level. Maybe help with the hospitals. Make it look like uh, um, it's there for uh, public health rather than uh, pub public control. And again, get people to understand that uh, we we need this period right now for the incubation and the dynamics of the uh, epidemiolo epidemiological component to reach some sort of uh, stability. And I, I'm guessing uh, 30 days is probably enough. But look at the numbers. If you looked at the projected numbers from now, 30 days from now, if we're going on the same uh, slopes uh, on the exponentials, that's a million dead in 30 days. April, April 25th is one million dead. Right. And and then it's a few days after that to two million. And, you know, the numbers just get silly and uh, uh, people are going to panic and get scared. Right. And that's right. Um, that's right. Uh, like I say, you know, what I've what I've tried to do with people uh, getting in touch with me, I've said to them, look, I'm, I'm on Discord. I'm literally just people are calling me and I'm just speaking to them in sort of real time just to try and sort of uh, ease people's um, minds in some way and mm -hmm. if, if if that's well, what I, I could can do. I could easily I could easily easily have two channels two separate mm -hmm. YouTube channels running 24/ mm seven -hmm. with people mm -hmm. calling either sharing information or asking for 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 information easily yeah. you know but i just i'm you know it's i'm only one person and i need to sleep you know <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> you know, you know, so, but but you know this but there's a lot of need out there and there's a lot of people that have good information like yourselves yeah like I, like I, yourself I, that that you know that uh that it needs to get out there and i would i would sort of say uh this we we have to be in a, a situation where we're backing each other up in these networks, you, you know, I've got a nice sort of, well, it's not a huge network, it's small, but everyone in it is whip smart and mm -hmm. they've got good uh, connections that's helping me feed information out to the public mm -hmm. more mm -hmm. generally. And, mm -hmm. I, and it sharpens our theories. When we yes. share these ideas, it sharpens our theories. Right? Yeah, yeah, you're very right. And so, you know, I would, I would put the offer out to your audience as well if i'm in front of the screen and you see me so i've usually got a camera on and if people see me sitting in front of the desk you can type me a question right you can type me in skype my skype contacts there my discord's there um you can type on the stream because i usually just if i'm not making a stream like this 
I'm usually what I usually do is just show cameras outside and I just call it zombie cam because you watch people walking by. But the dialogue is in there that people can see uh, chat to each other and uh, either through Restream and uh, Discord as well. And, you know, people can have a conversation. And if there's if there's people like yourself and me that can speak to some aspect of this. Uh, well, it's tragic what what, what is going on. Uh, but if we're if we're in a situation to be able to help these people, I think there's a moral obligation to do so. If if you get what I mean, it's it's kind of like a sort of Hippocratic oath, right? And mm -hmm. uh, if mm -hmm. if you have if you have knowledge and you don't share it, and if in 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 you're not sharing it, other people could get into harm. Then you're morally culpable for that. Um, that event happening right because you could have stopped it whereas if like you say you've you know you popped your head up first and said hey you know sort of hang on a minute there's something sketchy going on with this virus uh and yeah you you sort of jumped out and you you know you took the you took the fight to the to the enemy and um you know you've, you're doing well and like you said you know you're one person you got to sleep but you know what paul uh, I'm on the other side of the world, so when it's my daytime, it's your nighttime, and exactly. you know, right. Exactly. And people, people, if they're worried, they can just keep. We could be constantly forth. fighting. We could be constantly fighting. That's the that's the whole point, right? By having, you know, because that sun, you know, you know, the Earth is rotating around the sun, so there's daylight somewhere around the world, right? So uh, if we have a big enough network globally, we can always be fighting the enemy. Yeah, always uh, I, be fighting. Yeah, I totally agree with you on that. Yeah. Well, and I, I just have to pull you up on one thing, sir, that um, I think your understanding of the geometry of the world is uh, is off and we live on a flat plane. But besides that, you're now I'm joking. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, you know, the thing was, is that I was I was I was on a channel that was asking for help to explain COVID-19. And mm -hmm. so, I'm, you know, and it was a small channel. And, um, well, it's a it was a flat earth channel. I didn't even bother to look. I just said, okay, I'll, you know, I'll, you can record, you know, we'll, we'll talk about it. We talked for an hour and a half or whatever it was. And it was a flat earth channel. And it was like in the chat room, it was like, make sure you ask him about flat earth. And when I told them <laughs> that the earth was round, they all freaked out that I was like some, <laughs> you know, CIA shill or something. And I mean, it was just like. You know, it's just like, that's what I'm saying. The scientific baseline is so low in Western culture that it, it, it would take a generation to get them up to speed. You know? <laughs> you know, it's just like, and, you know, when you're talking about centroids and, 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 you know, calculating center of gravities and stuff like that, trying to prove that, the, you know, the world was, it was round, you know, and that the flat earth theory doesn't, it doesn't hold water. You know, I just like, I just like, oh my God, but I just, whatever. I just, I just want to save lives. And this, this is a very dangerous virus. And if it's, if it's what I think it is, which is a combination of a scientific, you know, uh, you know, bioengineered virus that's spun mm. off to a weapons program mm. and it, it attacks all these different receptors. Mm. Oh my God, we got problems. And then you add in this ability, you know, to be, you know, a, 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 uh, a you know, a neurotoxin of some sort, you know, or affect the, you know, you know, the neuro neurobiology. Yeah. 
and you know and and uh, prevent the inhibitions that we naturally have in the limbic system. I mean, that's a major problem. That's a huge yeah. problem. Yeah, uh, so, I, I agree. Okay, so let me let me get going here. Let me packages up, package it up, and then I'm gonna get some sleep. Yeah, so you sleep. I'll I'll send you my details right now. I'm yes, send you, yes, I'll put it in the description box. And I'm going to send you a link to uh, PowerPoint. It's five gig PowerPoint, but through Google Drive, you can just download it. Uh, keep that basically private because there's stuff in there that um, I, I wouldn't want to go too public with. I mean, I have showed some of it, but uh, it'll give us a framework around which to uh, keep exploring the the phenomenon that we see emerging in that in the news feeds. I think that's the sort of best way and try and and try and sort of get um, get people together to work around this network. So if people can go to you, you know what, you know what we need, what we need is like a group of um, we need like we need like two or three in each region mm. researchers like, you know, you and I, mm. you know, it, you know, maybe two or three in the United States or Canada, two or three in Asia, two or three in 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 uh, Europe. Mm. Yeah, and we we actually have like a conference call. That's yeah. the meeting. It's like the meeting of the the scientific minds. Mm. I don't know and if it's every day, maybe every other day, or maybe third day, but mm. some you know some an assembly of the minds. Yeah, and it's yeah. recorded. You know, yeah, and uh, yeah. give it out to the people as well. So, like this, this data that I have from the EU, that was confidential information. But you know what? I think the people should have been listening. Uh, they should have this information that they were talking about, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. They were ta they were talking about uh, relinquishing civilian control. They allude to the fact. They don't say it outright, but they allude to the fact that the nature of uh, the virus is um uh let's say this they say it's extraordinary in its capabilities that um they they don't go full on with it's a uh, it's a weapon but essentially you know they, they're going with the, the the mutations look odd and um it it's it's a potential research um, vector, right? So someone's been tinkering with it, and it, it it's got out. Um, um, but they did that in private, and I think I think right now we need as much transparency as possible. And I think the there was a big. I believe there's a big cover up by the CCP, the the the, the cover up their weapons program. I think, oh, yeah. and the the uh, the WHO is is a part of that cover up. Mm. And, uh, well, I, I'll speak to you. We should have a private conversation because there's a lot of stuff that I'd, I want to sort of, I, I want to fill you in on it. And then we can we can sort of think about how best to sort of release that information to the public. Um, but there, there are things going on that I know about um, that, yeah, people, we need to sit down and say, I, I do think that people need to know it um, with respect to, the institutes and the people involved uh, around Wuhan. Um, and we need to get that information out in a way that is uh, uh, not, um, you're not over glamorizing it or, or pushing it too much. It just needs to be a data point that people need to understand 
in the, the all the machinations that were going on in the background that kind of led up to uh, to what we're dealing with right now. Okay, and for the moment, what I would say is uh, trying to figure out the details of where it's from and who did it is going to be a distraction to doing what we need to do, which is keep giving people information and updating them about how best to cope. And especially as like you're in New York, dude, um, you know, I, I, I'm hoping you've got good locks and a, and a good a good shotgun. Um, <laughs> yeah. well, I know Kendo, too, so. <laughs> oh, okay. Um, but, you know, but, just uh, stay, stay indoors, stay in, stay indoors, dude, and don't, don't get caught in, uh, uh, in trouble if, if you can avoid it. And um, that's what I've been saying to everyone I know. Just limit your exposure. Oh, and another thing that people just need to understand is the way that the Asians spoof the data, both the Chinese, the Japanese. And I'm, un I'm unsure about Korea, right? They did an excellent job of sort of jumping. I, I know people very high up uh, in the Korean medical system. And I, I speak to them on a sort of personal basis as friends. They were they were rapid in sort of getting testing kits out and mass testing but, people. Right, right. But the thing is, is you got to remember, they're like a state. Mm. The size of Korea is like the, a state in the United States. Mm. Yeah, so, small you know, so yeah, so... You know, so, you know, when they say a country, you know, no, South Korea is a state, you know, yeah. <laughs> relative to the size of the United States. So and so they're also yeah. they're also on a war footing all the time. Right. So that yeah, that's they're, that's a good point. They've been in a war footing ever since the Korean War. So, yeah. yeah. So, so they were able to test. And so there's there's here's some interesting stats and um, anecdotes. So, sorry, we're just dragging this conversation on. But I think this point should be said right now while people are listening. So the Koreans were finding a distribution in the 20 to 30 year olds, right? That's that's where their peak of uh, infection was in that cohort. It wasn't so much the elderly, it was the younger. Um, and as a consequence of Japan and China uh, not being upfront with their data, it kind of gave the impression that it, it was a disease that would primarily attack uh, elderly or immunocompromised but what we're finding out now is it does attack children and young adults and these uh, these individuals are dying as well and I just saw I just as I was sort of scanning headlines before I fell asleep last night there were two young kids that died in the US I think that was uh, it's happened in the UK 10 year old girl with very bizarre neurological symptoms rather than uh, the respiratory infection. And um, in Europe as well, uh, like I say, my good friend who's sort of uh, helping me uh, collate information from within uh, the EU. And literally, this this guy is, you know, if we want an information network, this guy is, uh, he's a, a gold brick in value of, uh, in terms of information and uh, getting up to what the authorities are trying to do but like i say getting back to the original point um we've we've let our guard down generally with respect to the pandemic wasn't nothing was done quick enough and we haven't we haven't done enough to think about protecting the children because we thought it because the data coming from asia was um was spurious with respect to who who it was affecting and so um 
my my advice to people i was just saying keep your kids home stay home from work and uh be very be very vigilant right now and you know if 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 one parent has to sort of sacrifice uh, a job because the kids are at home you know my priority would be the kids that, that's all i would say and that message gets more and more important um by the day as we see it as we see the the death toll and who it is affecting so you know it's it's tragic babies and 10 year olds are being um taken out and they could have been saved by simple things like people wearing masks and gloves and responding two months earlier than what they did and yeah i guess you know you're it's, it's like the fable of putting your finger in the dam right to stop to stop the leak once it, i forget the story but i think it's a dutch story right um, right 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 and you know you've you've been doing that i've been doing that i know a few other people that um you know i've been trying to report keep things on the on the radar but um yeah it needs more like you said you're right in that we need a uh, network of individuals uh, look you know what Paul, I'm getting a lot of advice from people that are not not advice, but good information from people that are not doctors. Um, they tend, you know, engineering backgrounds or you know things that um, you, you wouldn't normally associate with a. Well, it's a multi it's a multi variable problem, multidisciplinary problem that mm -hmm. that needs thinkers. And it's yeah. not just doctors. It's not just MDs. We need PhDs. Yeah. We need engineers. We need mm -hmm. You know, nurses. We need you know, everyone that has a brain can contribute, yeah. and you know, and that has an open mind. Yeah. You know, because these people that are saying that it doesn't exist are crazy. Oh, look! I I spent um I've spent hours arguing with virus deniers, and it's yeah. just like how it's unbelievable. And so I like my last stream I sort of put up online. Uh, the premiere didn't work, but people can go and, and watch. And that. a lot of these, a lot of these virus deniers are flat earthers. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> a lot of them. So Not all could, of them, but a lot of them. A lot of them, and you know, the my latest sort of video that's online, it's about ninety minutes long, but I go in depth into uh, uh, the round earth oh, no the viral denying fallacy but as a consequence of following that train of thought and responding to the people that were sort of attacking me saying i'm just a agent uh, um i must be paid by the cia to cause panic um right yeah, the, yeah. The, you look at their channels and they're all flat earth and right i just like i don't know where they come from there's such there there is such skepticism now for for any discipline yeah well, I, I, they, they it, don't even believe in science. I mean, I, yeah. <laughs> so I tell you what my and I think about this a lot. This, these are those metaphysical questions. And a lot of the blame lies at the door of the uh, cosmologists. Right. So when people believe that they're in a universe where 80 percent of it is undetectable, a sort of dark energy and dark matter and there's all sorts of um bizarre mathematics to try and describe it, it removes people from their um th their baseline with reality itself and they just don't trust 
these people and you know we're seeing the failure of the dark uh dark matter hypotheses fail right now and if the cosmology is wrong then a lot of people get uh, get suspicious of the uh the other sciences and another factor the global warming uh, or climate change um approach where people have uh, tried to sort of game that system and you know it's been a run for grant money and uh you know what was what that was and, and that it was it's a run for grant money and a mechanism for a global tax or what you know yeah back many years ago was called a tobin tax and that the un has been looking for a tobin type tax mechanism to fund their operations yeah you're right and you know that that as i understood it was going to apply to every sort of bank transaction right so any sort of exchange of money yeah, even if yeah. it's like um uh, well, I guess it's a sort of universal value-added tax, right, or sales tax mm -hmm. that they want. But um, yeah, you and can. If they institute a decashing mechanism, mm. that's a lot easier to do the tax, the taxation. Yeah, yeah, and um, well, I don't have any money, so it doesn't really bother me that much either way. So well, pretty soon, no one's going to have any money. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so I've, in that sense, I've been preparing for this. Uh, breakdown in the supply chains and people's, um, you know, it's tragic that people have lost jobs. And I, I really feel for people because so many people go paycheck to paycheck just for rent. And, um, you know, I don't want to come over as overly socialistic or, um, you know, state state run finances and economy. I don't want to come across like that. I, you know, I, I tend to I tend towards sort of freedom of exchange and uh, um, uh, contract, right? You should be free to be able to make contracts with who you want and there should be minimal government interference. That's my base standpoint. But I think in a condition like this where literally people have been just laid off en masse, um, the authorities have to uh, make sure- in, that a, you... in rare, rare, rare events, there needs to be a social net. Yeah, in very in, in rare events where it's catastrophic, mm. there has to be a, a social net that that's created. Yeah, um, and we are backstop, but not all the time because if it's there all the time, then it, you lose incentive, you know, for mm. creativity, for working, and all that. Yeah, yeah, I I, I okay. agree. I gotta um, get going here. It's getting yeah. late here. Um, so you get to sleep. I'll be on the computer. So I'll just send you. I'll go upstairs. Send you my details, and I'll put it in the email to you. That's probably better. And I'll send you the link to the Google Drive, and then we can sort formulating a conversation around that. And oh, as a final caveat, um, if you know if the money pressures are there, that's just going to add pressure to this impulsivity mm -hmm. uh, problem, right? And mm -hmm. so this is this is a critical. Yep, um, you're absolutely right on that. So, Paul, thank you very much for uh, taking your time to uh, listen. Um, I'll keep watching uh, 